Hello everyone. We are here for this week's 10 minute recap of 1 Samuel 13 to 2 Samuel 7. Now, if you've been following along this year and you haven't subscribed to this channel yet, please consider doing so. But enough about that. Today, we're going to be going through the history of Saul's kingship of Israel and moving into David's reign as well. So, in 1 Samuel 13, we get an overview of Saul. He was 30 years old when he became the king of Israel, and he ruled for 42 years, which makes him a healthy 72 years old when he dies in battle against the Philistines. Also in chapter 13, we meet Saul's son, Jonathan, who's a leader in the military and seems rather fearless. But we also see King Saul get chastised by the prophet Samuel, for Saul offering an unlawful sacrifice. And the repercussions of this will mean that Saul will not be a dynasty founder in Israel. So his descendants will not be king after him. We learn that the Philistines had been oppressing Israel so successfully that weapons in Israel had become exceedingly rare. So Israel's very much at a disadvantage with only the family of Saul having proper weapons. 1 Samuel 14 records how Jonathan, along with his armor bearer, they single-handedly attack and overcome a Philistinian outpost. Saul then orders the Israelites to the chase, but he makes some really questionable decisions here, including ordering his men not to eat on pain of death, which ends up making them sin against God later on, and Jonathan is almost executed. It's, it's a really bad scene. 1 Samuel 15 records an incident when God commissions Saul to judge the Amalekites, but Saul chooses not to follow God's word. His failure to carry out a direct command of God ends with Samuel telling Saul that he's been rejected by God. After Saul's rejection as king, God chooses the next king of Israel, which is David. So 1 Samuel 16 records Samuel anointing David as the next king, even though it'll be a long time before he takes over. It also records how David ended up working for King Saul. So God had removed his Holy Spirit from Saul and placed it on David as the anointed future king. And David gets hired on by Saul as a musician and armor bearer when he's recommended for the job. David's music is able to calm Saul down when he gets whipped into a frenzy by a tormenting spirit that has apparently replaced the spirit of God, which is both sad and interesting. 1 Samuel 17 is the famous account of David and Goliath when David is revealed as the deliverer of Israel. Now, a few details here. David brings Goliath's head to Jerusalem and keeps Goliath's weapons in his own tent. Now, at some point later, he's going to give Goliath's sword to the tent tabernacle at Nobs. It's going to appear there later. 1 Samuel 18 sees Saul then hiring David on full time. He just delivered Israel, so this makes a lot of sense. And Jonathan, the official crowned prince of Israel, basically abdicates to David by giving him his armor, his weapons, his royal clothes, and importantly, his loyalty. We see David become a really successful and very popular warrior, which has the effect of Saul turning against David in jealous suspicion. And David marries Saul's daughter, Michal, giving David a crucial claim to Saul's throne. 1 Samuel 19 records multiple accounts of Saul trying to kill David. 
David goes on the run, and we read about a time when David was staying with the prophet Samuel, and Saul sends two waves of men to get David, but each time they're overcome by God and begin prophesying. I wonder if they were prophesying about David's futurist king. It's possible. But the third time, Saul comes himself, and even he begins prophesying, and he strips down naked. Now, importantly, this would have meant he, he was forced to take off his royal robes. 1 Samuel 20 records Jonathan and David renewing their covenant of loyalty when it becomes clear that Saul will not reconcile with David. Jonathan promises loyalty, and David promises not to kill Jonathan or his descendants. In 1 Samuel 21, David is fleeing Saul, uh, with this time with men who are loyal to him. But they need food, and so they stop by the tent tabernacle, and the priests give them the bread of the presence to eat and Goliath's sword. Apparently, David had left in such a rush that he couldn't even got, get his weapons. David then travels to Gath, which is Goliath's hometown, but he regrets this pretty quickly when he's recognized there and he ends up pretending to be out of his mind so that he's seen as harmless and not a threat. In 1 Samuel 22, David's brother's father and their families come to live with David in Philistinian territory because apparently it wasn't safe for them to live in Bethlehem where Saul might actually come for them as a means to get to David. We're told that men who were in trouble with Saul or who were unhappy with his leadership came to David and David amassed 400 fighting men. David then arranges with the Moabites for his father's family to live in their territory. Now, his great-grandmother Ruth was a Moabite, so that's an interesting connection there. The Bible also tells us that David is getting his instructions of where to go from the prophet Gad. Meanwhile, Saul massacres the priests of God living at Nob. In a great revelation of the depths of his fallen character, Saul utilizes foreign men in his command to slaughter the priests of God. A priest who survives named Abiathar goes to live with David. In 1 Samuel 23, David saves a city belonging to his tribe of Judah from the Philistines. Saul tries to trap him there, but David escapes. And we learned that David's plan was to make Jonathan second in command of Israel under his kingship. And we see the Ziphites, who were a part of David's tribe of Judah, betray David to Saul. So we see that David has a lot of work to do to ensure the loyalty of Israel, because even his own tribe is not unanimously supporting him. In 1 Samuel 24, David's still on the run, but has an opportunity to kill Saul when Saul goes into a cave, unaware that David and his men are hiding in there. David chooses not to kill Saul, and we see Saul have this moment of clarity. He realizes David's not plotting against him, but it doesn't last. In 1 Samuel 25, we have a record of Samuel's death and burial. It's going to be a new age now without this foundational prophet of God. The incident of Nabal and Abigail is also recorded. So Nabal insults David, and when David moves to kill Nabal, it's uh, Nabal's wife, Abigail, who stops David from doing so. And David's so impressed with Abigail's wisdom that when her husband dies, widowing her, David takes her on as a wife. We also learn that David married a woman named Ahinoam. So both Abigail and Ahinoam were women from Judah. And we know that David was having trouble securing political support from Judah. So perhaps these marriages 
to apparently prominent families in Judah were aimed at helping David to secure a loyal base in his own tribe. Now in chapter 26, we see the Ziphites again ratting David out to Saul. But this time when Saul comes after him, David and his nephew Abisha sneak into Saul's camp at night and steal his spear and jug and then confront Saul with them as evidence that if David wanted Saul dead, then he would be dead. 1 Samuel 27 records that David and his men are given the city of Ziklag within Philistinian territory. And from here, they launch secret attacks against the Philistines. Chapter 28 sees the Philistines going to war against Israel. And when Saul attempts to inquire of God, all he gets is silence. So Saul consults a medium. And in a surprising display, Samuel's soul actually appears and tells Saul that he's going to die. In 1 Samuel 29, the Philistinian war commanders send David and his men home because they rightly don't trust David to fight for the Philistines against Israel. Then in chapter 30, David and his men return to Ziklag and find it raided and their families missing. And the unrest is so great that the men are considering stoning David, but he manages to rally them and they defeat the Amalekites and reclaim their families. Fittingly, David sends his plunder from this battle to the leaders in the tribe of Judah. Again, he's probably trying to secure their support. Finally, in 1 Samuel 31, Saul and his sons die in battle with the Philistines. Their bodies are hung on the wall of the city of Bethshen, while Saul's head and armor are taken around as symbols of victory. His armor is then set up in a pagan temple. Amazingly, the men of Jabesh Gilead go on this daring mission to rescue the bodies from Beth Shen, and they're successful. Remember that Jabesh Gilead was that first city that Saul saved once he became king. 2 Samuel 1 records David receiving the news of Saul and Jonathan's death, and he kills the messenger who claims to have finished Saul off at his request. Then David goes into mourning. In 2 Samuel 2, David moves back into Judah, settling in the city of Hebron, and he's made king over Judah, while the rest of Israel follows Saul's son Ishbosheth and Israel's current military commander, Abner. A battle ensues between Abner and David's military commander, who's Joab. And this battle ends with Joab's unarmed brother, Asael, being killed by Abner. 2 Samuel 3 has a lot going on. In David's personal life, we learn about four more wives, and these were likely to secure peace treaties. We know at least one of them was a Geshurite princess, and treaties were often sealed with marriages. David also takes Michal, Saul's daughter, back as a wife, even though she's been remarried to someone else. See, David needs her connection to Saul's throne. Abner, Israel's military commander, ends up being ousted by King Ishbosheth for trying to take over, and Abner deflects to David. But Joab does not trust his motives, not to mention that Abner had killed his brother, so Joab kills him. In 2 Samuel 4, Ishbosheth is assassinated, and two men bring his head to David, but David is not pleased and has them executed. We also learn that Jonathan has a surviving son named Mephibosheth, although an injury has left him unable to walk. In chapter 5, David finally becomes king over all Israel. He conquers the city of Jerusalem, that he makes the capital of Israel. And there's a record that David is able to, feat, to defeat the Philistines decisively. In chapter 6, David tries to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, but the Levites do not follow the protocol laid out in the Law of Moses, and a man ends up dying. So much later, they try again to move the Ark, and they are successful. 
And finally for today, 2 Samuel 7, David expresses his desire to make a temple for God, but God says, no, not you. You're a man of war. Then God expresses the Davidic covenant. God promises that he will build a house for David, a lasting dynasty. And the next phase in God's redemptive plan is laid out. The Messiah, the everlasting king, will come from King David's line. All right, that's it for this week. Any comments and questions, pop them down in the comment section below, and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for watching. We want to keep producing high quality biblical content, but we can't do it without your support. If you feel called to support us, please click the link in the description under donate. Your support really means a lot to us.